Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. everyone, it's Simon here of Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by uh, Rahul, who likes to, thankfully for me, to be called Baz. Uh, hi Baz, good to have you with us. Hi, nice to see you. Your, your bio says here that you've, you've been a software developer for two decades starting out working for others and then setting out on your own business to escape the binds of corporate life. Uh, This journey has included contracting, freelancing, setting up a digital agency and doing the funded startup thing, which in turn meant spending half a million pounds of somebody else's money. I like that. uh, With not much to show for it. Um, Along the way, you being on a journey, moving from pure technical skills to learning about other parts of a business, such as sales, marketing, and as we were just talking before the recording started, Mike Michalowicz's Profit First Professional Certification. Uh, And following one of those lightning bolt epiphany moments, you decided to switch focus and start mentoring other web development freelancers. And now you work with them to help them take control of their days and most importantly, stop selling time for money. Uh, give us a little bit more of a backstory about that shift then, because that's quite a shift from that technical to the mentoring side of it. You know, what was that well, epiphany and what was that lightning bolt moment that you mentioned there? <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued by that now. I've read it. So I'm, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I've always loved the mentoring part. So I would, t- um, one of the things I always used to do was bring on junior software developers, and I would teach. I have, I'm quite opinionated about how software should be built, so I would teach them my way of doing things, and they always seem to like the way I communicated about that stuff. So that's always been part of what I do. But in this particular case, uh, this was a couple of years ago now. It's one of those things where all these different forces came together at the same moment. But the key one, the lightning bolt moment was I had been given a referral to a lady who ran an art gallery and she wanted a CRM database put in it. And that was what I did, or part of what I did, obviously, the software side of things. So I did my standard process. I interviewed her, found out what her goals were. And it turns out what she wanted was a second gallery. Um. We figured out how much that was going to cost her. She said, if I could do it in two years, that'd be amazing. So I worked backwards from that. Turns out all she needed to do was sell one extra piece every month for two years, and she would hit her financial target. And so I put together a proposal for her, and I met her in this cafe just outside her gallery. And I laid the proposal out on the table, uh, lots of people milling around and stuff like that. And she started reading through it. And what I did was I put it into three phases. So phase one was we were going to do some Facebook ads and some email marketing. Phase two, we'd implement the CRM. And then phase three, I can't even remember, it was follow up on the CRM part part of it. So she was reading through the proposal and then she just burst into tears. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I said? Have I done something (laughs) wrong? Yeah, yeah. And she looks up at me and she said, 
I didn't sleep last night because I've not made any money at all in the gallery this month and I was considering closing the place down. But now I'm reading this and it's like my business has got a future. And that, wow. that was the moment. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is the greatest thing anyone's ever said to me. And my realization was my what I can do for people doesn't come from the code that I write. It's yeah. from changing their mindset and putting the plans in place for them and helping them that way. Uh, and then, as I say, lots of things happened all at the same time. So um, a friend that I knew through networking said she was running an intensive coaching course. She was about to lose the venue. So did I want to go on it for 300 quid instead of 2000 pounds? So yeah. I was like, yep, I'll do that. Yeah. And then also I got contacted by Mike Mikhailovitz after reading Profit First, if asking if I wanted to become certified as a Profit First professional. So all those wow. things happening within a month of each other was like, this is it. Obviously, the world is yeah. telling me I need yeah, to yeah. I need to change direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it's an amazing story. And I'm sure the listeners felt the same as you, you, know, you were saying it there. You could almost, yeah, I could feel the the goosebumps coming up as you know when you have that kind of moment with a prospect you know a stranger really somebody you don't know but you've taken the time to understand as you did their needs and you see what the real picture is and what they really need uh, not just what they want because what they want isn't always what they need Uh, that lightning bolt moment yeah I think that's incredible that you gave her that gift and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a it was a definite moment i was i was really really yeah. shocked at how powerful it was yeah yeah great and you know you mentioned mike mccallowitz and and the profit first you know i had a guy on a podcast an early podcast and listeners you know go back to this uh chris murphy and he mm. was a chiropractor i think it was a chiropractor or a therapist of some sort and he he's not a profit first professional but when I asked what the tip was for him to share, he shared the profit first. And he said, that changed my life. He said, that saved my life. It saved my life. It saved my house. It saved my marriage. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great testimonial video. And uh, you need to ask Mike if you can use it because it's a great testimonial video. <laughs> but we, we were talking uh, as well about what you drink. And I know at the yeah. moment you're drinking water and keeping yourself hydrated. I've got my uh, Pike's Roast lungo here which i don't normally drink a lungo coffee but i needed a bit mm-hmm. of a coffee, caffeine injection but you were talking about your family and the the history and the, and tea so tell yeah. us a little bit more about uh, that side of what you drink and and the history behind that so my family is from a part of india called assam so you might have heard of assam tea um it's right up out of the way tucked away from the rest of india it says uh, i was actually born in assam Uh, Where I was born is probably as close to Kolkata as it is to Bangkok. So it's right out of the way, next to Burma, next to Tibet, next to China. Um, But it's also the best part of the world for growing tea. And my uncle and cousin actually have a tea estate. And it's there. So I've been out there a few times. They've shown me around the factory. One of the greatest bits is so they get all this tea. It's like green leaves chopped off a tree. Yeah. And then they feed it down to all these conveyor belts. And then they, they showed me the drying room. And my uncle says, right, so stand over here. And then yeah. the, the tea's coming through on this conveyor belt. And then he pulls this cord and this massive, great big jet engine fires this huge <laughs> bolt of flame across the room. And that's how they dry the tea. 
Wow. And, then, <laughs> and then at the end, obviously, it all gets graded out. And then so, again, they have like a, a machine that does the grading, filters it out according to size. Yeah. And the uncle puts his hand in one bucket and he says, so this tea here is really fat and big. And this is for India. And then this tea here is slightly smaller. And this tea is for the UK. This tea right. here is smaller still. This is for Europe. This horrible stuff is for the US. And then this. <laughs> Sorry if anybody's listening from the US. <laughs> but then, and then he answered, and this dust that normally would sit on the floor is for tea bags. And he had absolute oh. contempt. <laughs> really? That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go downstairs now and I'm going to look at my Yorkshire tea. And I know you said, you know, you're, you're based in Leeds. So I'm going to look at my Yorkshire tea in a completely different light now. <laughs> well, actually, um, um, just so, so my cousin, so... My, my uncle, who owns the tea estate, his yep. daughter actually lives in Harrogate and her husband works for Yorkshire Tea. And ah. so they do use a lot of Assam tea in their blend. Do they? Oh, well, yeah. So you've just made me feel a little bit better about drinking <laughs> my Yorkshire tea then. That's great. So what's your favourite uh, tea and what's your, what, you know, is that your favourite drink? And if it is, you know, is it a particular variety or particular taste that you like in the tea? Uh, so I, I do like, I like... Probably most mornings I will drink Yorkshire tea just because it's tea bags and it's, it's yeah. convenient. Uh, I do like it strong. Uh, but yeah, if, I'm, if I really want a proper tea, then I will have a cup of Assam. It's got this really dark orange colour that you don't get with, with any other sort of tea. And it's really okay. strong as well. So I like that. Yeah. And, and how do you take that? You know, do you put anything with it? You know, do you add any sort of slice of lemon to it? You know, or no. just take water and that's just a, it? Just a bit of milk just a bit okay. of if, you, if you have it in india they will you'll have a really small cup like like your coffee cup there yeah, yeah. and they'll have two sugars in it as well as the milk so really like completely wiping out the the flavor of it but over here a big fat mug with with some milk in it right mm. yeah i must admit you know the yorkshire tea that i drink I, I always get into arguments with with my wife because she likes her tea so much so that she stands at one end of the room shows it the tea bag and then puts milk in it, uh, and I, I'm not, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm a builder by trade, so I, yeah. I like a good strong cup of tea. Uh, so if it's not in there for two two and a half minutes, then yeah, it's not done it for me. I like plenty of milk as well, but uh, yeah, yeah, you need to taste the tea in it definitely. Absolutely, definitely. Well, that's interesting what you said. I bet none of our listeners realised that you know in India that's how they would drink it. You know, two sugars, yeah. and yeah, and the milk. Yeah, in- interesting. So thinking about your business and you've given us a, an insight into that initial introduction that you sent across to me uh, of the changes and the, the evolution that you've had in your business. So what's been the most significant thing or the latest thing that you've worked on or fixed in your business? So the latest thing for me is I've actually revamped my messaging. So okay. when when the... Um, it's, it's probably a little bit more significant than that, but it, it comes down to the messaging part of it, which is when I, I started on my, my coaching and mentoring journey, I basic, my, my premise was technical people like myself, we think of ourselves as technicians. We're really, really good at the job. We're really, really good at getting stuff done. But yeah. the rest of the business side of things isn't something that we think about too much. So uh, if you've read the E-Myth, for example, there's mm. the, the three grades, the technician, the manager, the entrepreneur. And we think of ourselves as technicians, prime, first and foremost. Yep. So I've been on a long journey to move out of that. So I started with, with a 
building myself a sales process and all that kind of stuff a long time ago. That's why when I was talking to Caroline about the art gallery, I knew what to ask her during the interview because it was part of my sales process. But beyond that, what I wanted to do when I started this, this program was fix people's businesses, get the, get these freelancers out of the technician mindset and into the manager and entrepreneur mindset. I really struggled how to describe that to people. So I've stripped it all the way back now and taken, gone back to my people, the, the web developers, the software developers, and said, what, what's your biggest problem? And their biggest problem is always been dealing with clients. And the reason that happens is because they charge hourly and hourly billing is bad for you and it's bad for your client. So now my message is simply stop selling time for money. Yeah. 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 And that's such a simple thing to understand. And as we were talking earlier, it's an easy thing to transfer as well, isn't it? You know, it's an easy message to pass on to other people. So I can see the power in that message. And for the listeners, I, I should imagine it's, where to start with that and yeah i think that's the the thing that paralyzes them because they try and overcomplicate it don't they they try and add too much detail to it try and get too much into it so if, if you could give the listeners some tip of where to start with that message or perhaps something they need to overcome in that message what do you think it would be in creating that message because they might be from other industries and and other sectors so uh the the key thing is understand what your clients want because then you can put it into a standard package and then you can price that according to what the outcomes that you give for people. But it all yeah. starts from that understanding. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I was just watching a video earlier on um, in a webinar I was doing for coaches, actually, a sales webinar, and I was playing a video by Dean Graziosi, and he mm-hmm. talks about creating a hook. And the hook is really that important part of the message, isn't it? And getting people yeah. to lean in and want to know, okay, tell me more, you know, stop yeah. telling, selling time for money. And that really makes you, and hopefully the listeners listen to that and you know, makes you want to lean in. And Dean talks about the fact that you've got to understand their fears and frustrations and their wants and aspirations, typical yeah. hot buttons marketers call them, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so understand their problems, listen to what they, what they yeah, want yeah. and what they need. Great. From a point of view of, the difference that that has made, what kind of effect, what kind of impact has that that change of message and working on the message had for you and for your business then? So it's it's quite it's a it's a relatively new change. It's probably been I, I finalised it and started putting it out there two or three weeks ago. I oh, most okay. do most of my promotion on LinkedIn, yeah. and. I'm just getting, I've, I've, it's, it's an almost immediate. People have started ask, messaging me, like uh, private messaging me saying, tell me about that. How does this work? So it's yeah. the clarity that it gives people. And I, I even had someone say um, that it was incredibly clear what I offer. And I'd never yeah. had that before because it wasn't yeah. clear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got to ask another question. I'll just on, you know, push this a little bit more. Obviously, you've talked about the message and how targeted it is to you know the sector that you're looking at, you know, mm-hmm. developers, software developers, etc. Which, you know, people often get fed up of hearing you know, the successes in the niches, you know, and the riches mm-hmm. are in the niches and all that kind of thing, and niches, as we say here in the UK. Yeah. Um, 
how, how do you feel about that? And is there anything you can say to the listeners that might sort of help them overcome that? Because, you know, I'm a great believer in targeted messaging, but there's also this fear of exclusivity as well. But selling time for money isn't just about developers, is it? You know, a lot of people fall into that. So any anything to share on that for the listeners? So one of my favorite things is one of my favorite examples. And I have to admit, I didn't come up with this example myself, but I have done a bit of research into it, which yep. is if there's a, there's a big difference between saying you build websites yep. and saying you build booking systems for dentists, right? Because yep. if you say you build booking systems for dentists, every single dentist there is going to prick up when they hear that. Yep. But everyone who isn't a dentist, they're probably going to go, well, what's that got to do with me? And so you're going to think, well, I'm going to be missing out on loads and loads of work because of that. Two things to consider there. One, how much work have you got coming in now? How many unsolicited inquiries are you getting out of nowhere at the moment? And then two, let's say you get your process absolutely perfect and it takes you just one week to build a brand new booking system for a dentist. And you can do that because you're specializing in dentists. Yeah. let's say it takes you one week. That means to be really, really busy, you need between 48 and 50 dentists per year. There are 41,000 dentists in the UK. Wow. So if you're, not, if you're going to be struggling to find enough work to keep you busy, then you're not doing something right. It's, it's not a problem. It, it just yeah. means you cut through the noise and the people come to you. Yeah. And I've shared this story, I think, in other podcasts, you know, that I've, I've given a message out because I do a lot of work with uh, digital and tech businesses, mm. particularly through the University of Lincoln. And I was focusing, I, I've got a program that helps tech businesses get a sale or investor ready within 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about it. And because I articulated the problems that these people were facing, like you said about time for money, this guy came up to me at the end. And it was in a BNI meeting. And he said, I'm a motor mechanic, but everything that you said about the problems are my problems. Yeah. I know you only work with tech businesses, but would you please allow me to be one of your clients? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's been a client for what, four years, four and a half years now. And, and so, the key with that is be, it's because your message is so clear, then people yeah. can relate to it. Whereas if yeah. you're trying to deal with everyone, your message becomes woolly and no one, has anything that they can then drag grab yeah. onto yeah and i love the way you said there and i think that's really important for people to pick up on about you know very often we do use that excuse of oh well i'm going to exclude everybody else that's a really great question you said there Baz, about how many unsolicited leads am i getting at the moment yeah yeah and i think that's a question anybody listening to this should take away because if you are worried about you know niching or niching and you know you are concerned about that that's a really, really great question to ask yourself. And you don't, you don't have to be, you could be talking about dentists this month. You could be talking about building contractors the next month. You don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Nobody says you've got to just pick one and that's it. Go with it forever. Do they? So, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's great. And it's good to hear that you started that and you're already getting that interest in there. So if you could think about all of your experience and, and what we like to do in these podcasts is give people something to take away, something that they can do something with. What would be a lesson or a tip that you could share with the listeners of this podcast today? So it's a bit glib, but okay. it's charge more. If you work charge yourself, more. <laughs> charge more. Yep. Um, a big part, again, this comes back to doing my research on, on what 
my people actually wanted. And yeah. a big problem, I think, that a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, especially when they're freelancing, have is the relationship they have with their clients. They believe that the clients hold all the power. Yeah. When actually, a good relationship with your client should be profitable for both of you. So by charging more, you're setting a different expectation on how that relationship is going to run. You're saying, I'm, I'm going to make sure that this works for both of us. It's in both of our interests that this is a good relationship that we have together. And okay. so it comes down to charge more. Yeah. Any particular aspects in which people perhaps could justify that? Because I think you know, when we want to charge more, people often feel they've got to justify it. They've got to justify it with value or doing more and that kind of stuff. Um, is there anything that you could say that people perhaps need to think about when they're trying to make that justification? Yeah. So again, this, this is probably from my experience, especially with freelancers, it might be different for, for other industries, but a lot of people think about the deliverables that they give. So in my case, you, you'd build a website or an app or whatever it might be. And they think if I've spent 40 hours designing this website, how can I justify charging 20 grand for it or whatever it might be? Yeah. But that's not what you're delivering. It might be the deliverable, but what you're really delivering is a business outcome and a personal outcome. The reason that person yeah. wants a new website is because they want £100,000 in sales. And the reason they want £100,000 in sales is because they want to show off and buy a Jaguar to show off to their next door neighbor. And yeah. that's the outcome you're actually delivering. You're delivering that Jaguar for them. And that's yeah. a very, very different thing to yeah. charging more for a website. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I, you know, in any talks I do, I always call that the afters. You, you're delivering the afters. You know, it's having winning a million pound on the lottery is great, but if I take that million pound and I put it in a steel container and I put it on my garden, it does nothing. Yeah. It's Meaning. actually the reason I want the million pound is because I want the afters. I want what that million pound gives me. So yeah. you're right. You know, what does that website give somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting. What when I first became a coach, and I'll, I'll share this because I think you might find it useful as well. Um, I met a guy who laid laminate flooring, mm -hmm. and he one of his biggest problems was he wanted to make more money, and that was his driving force. And strange enough, the reason he wanted to make more money is because he wanted an Aston Martin. Mm -hmm. I never did sign this guy up as a client, so I'm not saying it because you know I won him as a client or anything like that, but. Um, I had a free session with him and we talked about pricing. And I showed him that my thoughts on pricing and charging more and he took it all away and he went from charging 12 pounds a square meter to B and Q and places like that as, mm -hmm. as a subcontractor in lane laminate flooring. He went away and he found something called Mesquite, which is an Argentinian hardwood. And a lot of stately homes here in the UK have it fitted. Windsor Castle has it in their yeah. flooring. He charges £1,200 a square metre for laying <laughs> the Mesquite flooring. And he justifies it because the cost of it is extortionate. And if he gets yeah. it wrong, the wastage and the cost of wastage is incredible. And I saw him about um, a year and a half, two years later, after I had this session, he came up to me and said, I just want to thank you. He said, you changed my life. And he'd got his Aston Martin outside. He got a DB9 outside. <laughs> and within 18 months, he charged more. He found something that he could charge more for. Yeah. 
uh, and he had to find his way of justifying it and it, it, he niched it down yeah. uh, and he'd laid flooring in Windsor Castle. He'd done uh, Simon Cowell's house in this mixed tape flooring. He was importing Argentinian furniture <laughs> that was uh, mesquite furniture as well. And uh, yeah, you know, that's a great tip. Charge more. And, and I bet there's always a way. And I bet if I don't know the National Trust or someone needs some of that flooring, they're going to go to him first. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he literally is one of two or three people in the country that now import it and lay it. Yeah, and so that comes back to the yeah, how many unsolicited yeah. inquiries are you getting? You become yeah. the go-to person. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, for anybody listening to this, you know, taking that great tip that you gave of charging more, yeah, it is always possible. You just got to find away or justify it or just do it and mm. you know and just charge more you know and certainly i know for us as coaches that's one of the things that gets in a lot of the way of coaches where they just need to just up their prices and actually very often people then perceive the value and you sell more mm-hmm. actually there's there's another again this is one that um i borrowed off someone else so this guy he in the olden days when this, this was still allowed, he used to speak at a lot of conferences mm. and he would fly home and he would... The olden arrive. days, I love the way you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he would arrive at this airport, which is probably 35, 40 miles from his house. Yeah. So he had a number of options for getting home from the airport. So he could walk, which is free, yeah. but it would take him hours and hours and hours. He could get a bus, but that meant carrying all his luggage and being cramped in with loads of other people. But it was really cheap. It was like a few dollars. Yep. He could get a taxi, which would be about $75 from, from that place, but it was comfortable and it was like, but he might have a smelly taxi driver and he'd have to talk to him. Yep. He could hire a car, which is obviously more expensive, or he could rent a helicopter, which costs two and a half grand. That's the point. Pe- people worry about charging more because pe- they, they have this belief in their head that people want the cheapest option. But the cheapest yeah. option is walking. There's no way you're going to want to walk. And the yeah. fact is that helicopter business is still in business because there's always one or two people who will pay that bit extra for, for yeah, something yeah. that's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as a past helicopter pilot, and I used to have an aviation <laughs> business, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, I've had people pay a huge amount of money just for the privilege of flying quite a distance to fly over their friend's house. <laughs> yeah. And take a photo and say, I came over your house and I took a photo. Yeah. <laughs> people there, it, there is always somebody out there that will, will pay for it. Definitely. Yeah. But you know, there's also people who won't. And you yeah. know, it's about having that mix, isn't it? And, under- and again, it comes back to what you said earlier on, but it's about understanding what your clients want and what they need. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really, really important. And so that's, and that's a, that's a great tip to share as well. I love that. Um, if people want to find out more about what you do, if they want to uh, perhaps look at your content, you know, how, how can people connect with you? How can people find out more about what you do? So I'm very, very active on LinkedIn as Baz Barua, yeah. um, but uh, my website is clientrobot.com, uh, which, um, and from there, there's a link through to my mailing list. And if you go join my mailing list, you'll get a free copy of my book, How to Write Proposals That Convert Into Sales as well. Ah, okay. Yeah. Have you ever come across um, a guy called Oren Claff? Uh, I've heard the name. Oh, is he did the pitching book? Yeah, yeah. Pitch anything yeah. and flip the script. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's become quite a, 
I wouldn't call him a friend because uh, we don't have conversations about what we do at the weekend. But yeah, I've read a couple of his books uh, and gave him some good reviews. And through LinkedIn, he actually thanked me and he sent me a lovely postcard and we have a couple of exchanges. And I'm hoping he's on my wish list to get on, uh, on here as a podcast oh, as well. So yeah. yeah, so that's really great. Um, thinking about your next drink, okay? Mm -hmm. Thinking about, you know, as we record this in lockdown, uh, the usual question I ask is, where would it be? If you're going to have your next tea, whether it's Yorkshire tea or, you know, uh, how do you pronounce it? Asante? Asante. Yeah, Asante. Uh, if you were going to have that in a dream location, where would it be? And describe it for listeners. Let's see if we can put ourselves right there with you. Well, there's there's two two ways I could take this. So there's my dream location, which will be, just be on a beach like Greece, Greek island or something like that, okay. baking hot sun. Yep. And it probably won't be a tea then. <laughs> but um, but I have to say what I'm really, really looking forward to. The other day, me and some friends, we booked a night in a pub, an actual pub. Wow. And I think we're 30, 37 days away from, I'm literally counting the days down to the fact that when I can go to a pub and have a drink outside, it'll be outside. It'll probably be raining, but I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Where is That's a world is a way. I'm, I'm a member yeah. of a, a WhatsApp group called Slack Dads, which is a village just down the road. And I, I'm not, I've got no kids, but I go skiing with these guys and mm. yeah, they, they've got this countdown timer on WhatsApp of when they can go to the pub and they're not bothered. <laughs> they, they don't care if it's snowing, windy, rain, <laughs> yeah. they, they're going to be sat outside having their pint. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 And it's interesting you said about a beach, you know, quite often we we think it's going to be somewhere exotic like that but very often it is the simple things isn't it you know it's, it's yeah. the reason behind it like the pub and you know some people have said some amazing places that are very special to them and sometimes the simplest ones it's a bit like the message it's the simple yeah. ones that matter isn't it absolutely yeah so thank you for for sharing uh, those tips thank you for giving us an insight into what you've done and how we can work with uh, the messaging and you know, for that story that you shared there about Caroline, I think you said her name was, yeah. and you know, helping her to see that her business had a future. And I think that would have resonated with so many people listening to this podcast that you know, we can sometimes just drop that pebble into the water and have an amazing impact on people's lives by such simple things. And you know, I really want to thank you for your time, Baz. Uh, today i'm glad you've uh, shortened your name to baz so I, i'm i'm short tongue <laughs> so i always stumble over pronunciations anyway and uh, thank you very much for taking part it's been an absolute pleasure to have you uh, with us today thank you so much for having me thank you and listeners as you know this is part of my mission to help people be more aware which we've done plenty of awareness day plenty of education and you know I've enjoyed my Lungo coffee. I know Baz is drinking his water and, you know, sharing a great experience of how uh, his family, you know, work on their tea estate. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm never gonna look at tea bags quite the same now I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really look forward to having you all on the next podcast. Bye until then. Thank you very much.